Brad Porterfield is Executive Director of the Latino Community Association, an organization that has provided services to Latinos and immigrants in Central Oregon since the year 2000. The LCA mission is to empower our Latino families to thrive, creating opportunities for advancement and building bridges that unite and strengthen everyone. Brad Porterfield has been the LCA director, executive director for 17 years, and he's now a candidate for the Redmond School Board. This conversation is being recorded on March 28, 2023. Brad Porterfield, welcome to the Radical Songbook. Hey, Michael. Good afternoon. Appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you joining me. And um, so I, I gave people a little, a little bit of information. Can you tell our listeners, uh, is there anything more that you want to add to, to let our listeners know more about you? Um, I guess first and foremost, I'm a father. I have an 18-year-old son. He's a senior at Ridgeview High. Um, he's been in the Redmond School since kindergarten. So uh, I think that's important. And, um, you know, just through my work at the Latino Community Association, I've been um, constantly kind of interacting with uh, different sort of systemic bodies like school districts and workforce boards and health councils, and I've been on the board of the workforce board and the health council. I'm currently on the board of the health council and chair of the uh, community advisory council to the health council, which uh, represents Medicaid consumers, OHP consumers. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm involved, I've been involved uh, in different ways and uh, also currently on the uh, Redmond Parks Committee. So... That gives us a, a, a beginning, I guess, of, for my next question. Why are you running? Is there anything more that you want to add in, in that regard in terms of why you're running for the school board right now? Yeah, a couple of main reasons. I mean, one is uh, I think that probably the first one that kind of sparked my, um, kind of motivated me, I guess, is is the stuff that I witnessed um, during the pandemic. There's some pretty ridiculous um behavior uh, toward the school board and within the school board members and so forth. And uh, I kind of pride myself as somebody who can uh, bring, you know, a, a voice of reason to, to community conversations and also facilitate constructive conversations. And I'm a big believer in public participation. So I, I kind of look forward to, um, I hope you don't have the time and energy, but I definitely look forward to, uh, um, you know, engaging the community, and that includes students, teachers, parents, um, and others in the work of making sure that our schools are, you know, the best schools that we can, that we can have for our kids. So, yeah, let's, let's get to that uh, part a little bit. In the past few years, as you've you kind of implied, indicated, you know, we've seen, well, we've seen really a coordinated national campaign directed at school boards with a whole variety of demands, as you said, starting during the pandemic with, you know, the demand to open the schools, opposition to masks, claims that students are being taught to feel guilty, white students are being taught to feel guilty uh, through the supposed teaching of critical race theory, demands that books that talk about race, gender, and GLBTQ people are banned. What are your thoughts on some of this? And, and I guess tied to that question, of course, is because a lot of this is uh, is focused on the idea of parental rights. So I guess, what are your thoughts on some of those issues, but also what role do you see parents playing in public education? 
Well, I mean, I just start by saying I'm absolutely a believer in you know parental rights. Um, however, I also am a believer in student rights and uh, teacher rights and you know basically human rights. <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of those issues, I think I think the schools, uh, school district, and the schools in, in particular could do a much better job of educating parents and students on these issues. I mean, I don't even you know, I ask my son. Um, fairly regularly, you know, are they talking about this? Are they talking about elections? Are they talking about, you know, have you heard the term critical race theory? Have you, you know, and inevitably he says no. Uh, you know, that really they're not, at least, you know, he's not in every class with every teacher, obviously. Um, but it doesn't sound like they're having these really important discussions in schools. And I definitely, as a parent, have not received any invitations to have these discussions, you know, as parents. Uh, and I think that's, I think we're missing the mark there. I think we really need to be having these discussions. And yeah, they're going to be difficult and, and, you know, there may be folks who kind of get out of line and, you know, who knows, but, but I think we have to try. And uh, that's what I look forward to being a part of. I really want to try to facilitate those conversations and, and in a constructive way. Because there's, uh, you know, people are talking about things that they really don't know much about in most cases, I believe. So critical race theory being one example, you know, you hear it on the news or you hear it on the talk show that you listen to or the radio or whatever it is. And unless you really learn about it, and then once you know what it is, then you go to your school and you ask the school, are you teaching this? You know, assuming that it's something that concerns you once you've learned what it is. Um, if you go to the schools and you ask them, you know, is anybody teaching this? Uh, I can tell you that nobody's teaching this. Um, it's not something that uh, that our schools are teaching, and you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not. I'm, there's no judgment. It's just uh, I've talked to teachers, and they tell me no, this isn't something we're teaching. It's more of a college level, um, you know, theoretical uh, construct for teaching about race. Um, so, anyways, that's just one example. Um, you know, the pandemic and masks. You know, that's all. That's all difficult stuff because everybody has different opinions, and um, I just think. Uh, at least from an outsider point of view, I mean, I'm a parent. I didn't get, I don't remember getting any information um, really as far as like, you know, asking my opinion or um, other than, you know, making decisions about my child, you know, whether or not he wears a mask or whether or not he goes to school, uh, which is important. But um, I think, I just think we need to talk about it more and um, and provide forums for these discussions. So, so what else do you want to um, accomplish? Um, you know, what 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 are some of your goals um, if you're elected to the Redmond School Board? Um, you know, so th there's there's many things that I don't know. I'm still um, kind of working on figuring out if it's if they are specifically things that a school board member would do, or if they're things a parent does. You know, so it's still kind of going through that process. But there are, you know, my personal experience with my son. Um, I see things like, um, well, let me just say, like an overall, overarching thing that I think needs to happen is that our schools need to modernize. And what I mean by that is they need to come up with the times. Like we're still, we still seem to be, for the most part, stuck in a model, um, you know, from the Industrial Revolution when we were just training workers um, to come out of schools and go into factories. And, um, you know, it's it's we've advanced somewhat, but it still feels like, we're still having kids go from 7.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon and sit in class all day long. 
And I can tell you, for my son and for a lot of people I talk to, it's just not working. It's not constructive. Our kids are, you know, we're born into a world that was vastly different than the world I was born into and you were born into. And, and um, you know, they're online all the time. They're learning all the time. That's the thing, is they're learning all the time online. They, you know, no judgment whether it's good or bad stuff, but I think regardless of what kids are doing online, they're learning. They're interacting with friends. They're interacting with people. My, my friend, uh, my son's friends online live, you know, in several states. He's never met them in person, but they live in Massachusetts and, and in Detroit and you know different places. Um, so it's kind of it's just like a it's a paradigm shift. Like we need to shift the whole way we, um, you know, see our kids' uh, growth and development, and we need to integrate that part of their lives. And actually, you know, give them credit for the things they're learning online, because um, it all applies in one way or another to the subject matter that we're teaching in schools. Um, so I think there's just a lot we can do there. And then there's um, there's another thing that I've uh, come across. You know, we're we're having trouble hiring teachers, and teachers are burning out, and we're having a really hard time finding teachers uh, who reflect you know the student body in terms of ethnicity and and so forth. And um, and yet we, the, the um, I always forget the name of the, the body at the state level, but there's a body that uh, determines, um, you know, teaching credentials and who can teach and who can't and what it takes to be a teacher. And, and they've put up barriers to um, having teachers, for example, from Teach for America come to Oregon and teach. And Teach for America is like a national program where they train teachers and then, uh, you know, the, those who go through the program agree to, teach in certain communities for a certain amount of time. They tend to be young. They tend to be, you know, open-minded. They tend to be um, uh, motivated. You know, so bringing that energy into our schools I think is important. I'm not saying our teachers don't have that energy, but I believe based on my son's feedback to me, there's at least, you know, several teachers who don't. They're kind of done. And I went through that experience myself in high school. I had several teachers who just needed to retire. Uh, They just didn't enjoy kids anymore. They didn't enjoy their job. They didn't enjoy youth, uh, they just got frustrated by the youth. And if you got, you know, adults, you're going to school and adults are just giving you, you know, frustrated energy, like they don't see you as a positive force in the world, that's not a good thing. That's going to, it's going to, uh, you know, drive kids away from school. And that's, I think that's happening pretty frequently. So I think we need to address that. We need to, we need to re- uh, relax those standards or at least look at, to have that conversation of relaxing the standards for what it takes to, or, you know, who can teach in a classroom, what are those requirements and qualifications, and, um, you know, do they need to have a master's? I don't think so. Um, but that's that seems to be the goal. Like, how many, what percentage of teachers do you have that are, you know, have a master's degree or a PhD? That seems to be, like, a something that's important to our districts. And I, I get it on one side, because, you know, we want qualified people who've put in the time to study and so forth, but there's also just... There's a there's the the aspect of energy and 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 can the teachers connect with the kids and you know our older teachers I would include myself in many respects I would have difficulty you know because it's helps that I have a son who's who lives in that world but I don't live in that world um, and the kids just need us to connect and be real with them and um, I'll just stop there I could go on and on. <laughs> Okay, so um, part part of what you talked about at the beginning there was was about you know the, in terms of figuring out different ways that 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 
that uh, students are learning online, et cetera. And so how do you tie that into the whole concerns, the concerns people have about uh, student achievement within the district? Uh, it's a big issue. You know, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm looking at this moment at the Oregon at a glance district profile for the Redmond uh, school district, 2021, 22 school year. And, you know, I'm, I'm picking up on things like, um, you know, it gives you a, it's a dashboard essentially. It gives you some really quick data and I'm looking at, um, grade eight mathematics, for example, and we have Hispanic Latinos, 15%. Um, we have our every English learners at 12%, students with disabilities, 13%. Uh, so it's some pretty low numbers for certain groups. Um, and students overall, uh, we're looking like 59, I'm looking at the K through two, uh, kindergarten through second grade regular attenders, and we're looking at 59%, 56%, 65% attendance. You know, that's pretty low, and I don't, I'm not convinced that attendance is the, the end-all be-all that our districts kind of push on our on parents. Uh, but it depends on what kids are doing when they're not at school. And I think we need to give kids credit for when they're doing, when they're learning, when they're not at school. That's one of the uh, modernization things I'm looking at that I think is important to, to discuss. Um, you know, graduation rates look pretty good, for, you know, relative to other districts for Redmond. Redmond's getting pretty good graduation rates. Um, yet there's still, you know, 50%, 54% of homeless kids are graduating. 74% of migrant kids are graduating, um, you know, 69% with disabilities. So there's still groups that we need to focus some energy and, and attention on uh, to be more successful. Uh, English language arts I'm looking at for grade three, and I apologize for, you know, a bunch of statistics, but it's, it's kind of uh, a little scary, honestly. Um, 10% of every English learners, according to this, at grade three English language arts are at uh, the level where they need to be. They ought to be, um, you know, 10% of homeless. So it's pretty, it's, it's kind of stark. I mean, there's, there's some positives for sure, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of gaps. And uh, we just need to focus in on those gaps and see what, what can we do differently. So, yeah, we're, when we talk about students of color, GLBTQ students, disabled students, um, what, what can the school board um, do to improve their achievement levels, uh, make them feel more comfortable and included uh, in their schools? So I think that, I mean, the main thing that comes to my mind as a school board member, because, you know, school board is a policy uh, body. It's a, it's, but it can also raise conversations and facilitate conversations and uh, engage community, but, you know, do a better job of that, I think. And so just by having difficult conversations, um, you know, it can trigger, it can trigger action. Um, it can trigger opportunities and alternatives. And if we're engaging, you know, teachers in that conversation and students as well, um, you know, just finding together, finding solutions and whether, you know, at some level that gets put into policy. Um, but I think whether or not it's a policy, these discussions have to happen. And I just don't hear or see them um, happening. One other thing that I think we could, uh, our schools need to consider, and that is, you know, getting the academics are important and that's fantastic. Our kids do need to 
you know, know basic math and, and how to express themselves in writing and speaking and, and think through problems and, um, you know, learn critical thinking, learn a little bit about physics and science and biology. That's all really important. But I truly, truly believe that our schools need to create spaces for, um, you know, more just discussion, like giving kids a space, in particular middle school and high school, giving kids a space just to talk about what's going on in their life, uh, just to work work through some things and, and get some tools to, you know, how to look at the world and how to uh, resolve conflict and so on and so forth. I and mean, those things are just so critically important. And as far as I can tell from my son's experience, our schools are not focusing any energy on that. Um, and I think it would just make school and education uh, more meaningful for our youth if we're having, if they're having, you know, real conversations and, um, and see that even the adults in their lives care. They're not just there to speak at them and get them to jump through hoops. Because you know, a lot of ways, it often feels that way to, to kids and youth, um, in particular middle school, high school. And the more we can do to you know, lessen that feeling, to make it more uh, connect to their lives and connect to the things that matter to them, um, the better. What do you think the board, and, and for that matter, the district and staff, what would you like to see done in the Redmond School District to make students safer and make them feel safer? It's a really good question. It's a tough one. Um, you know, I was talking to a retired teacher recently, and you know, she was sharing with me that she believes the active shooter drills are just uh, should not be happening, that it's traumatic for kids, especially the younger kids. And I tend to agree. Like, I mean, I, th I think we need to um, – I'm not a hardliner on any, any of these things, but I think we need to have a discussion, number one. We need to assess assess actual risk, number two. You know, sometimes we blow these things out of proportion, and not because they're not important. They're super important. But how how do we measure risk in terms of, you know, what is the risk of an active shooter um, event happening at our schools? And I know sometimes that stuff comes out of nowhere, but um, – I think it's important to assess risk and, and then deal with that assessment. Um, and then the other thing is just raising awareness. Like, you know, that that's, it kind of gets back to the same conversations. If we're having like real conversations with youth and we're asking them, you know, do you have, you know, are there any people in your life who've, uh, who are students who've ever even talked about, you know, doing something like this or somebody who you just kind of, you know, either they're a friend or they're an acquaintance or a friend of a friend or, you know, somebody and you've heard about them and they seem to be having a really tough time and uh, you just notice really erratic behavior. And then, and then listening to them and then having a plan for what we do about that. So if, you know, it's not, you don't want to have kids like ratting on each other and, you know, and kids generally don't want to do that, but we have to, we have to work together and depend on each other to call out, you know, those warning signs. And that's that's really teachers and students. Um, you know, the rest of us, I mean, parents too, to a degree, but teachers and students are in school every day. And uh, I think that's where the opportunity is. And that's most likely where you're going to see those signs. And uh, we just need to have a, a concrete, you know, constructive way of, of dealing with those possibilities. Like if there's warning signs, you know, how do we, what do we do about that? And, and have a plan and a policy. 
So, um, is there, I, I always like to ask my guests if there's anything that I've left out, anything that I should have asked you about that I didn't, anything more that you want to um, say to our listeners. Um, I think the one thing that's on my mind at the moment is, um, you know, we at the Latino Community Association, we share space with uh, the Restorative Justice and Equity Group, and it's a, it's a project here in Central Oregon um, that is really uh, kind of using the restorative justice and equity tools, which are essentially building relationship. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I know enough to you know, at least say a few key things, and that is building relationships, you know, the idea that building relationships between among our youth and between youth and teachers and other adults in their lives um, can help, number one, you know, kids actually want to go to school, number two, you know, enjoy learning, number three, uh, you know, just get along better and therefore have fewer kind of behavioral issues happening. And then when behavioral issues do happen, you know, working in that restorative justice framework, which is bringing together, you know, whoever, if it's two youth or three or four youth that are involved in, in, in some incident, bringing them together and having a conversation together with them to kind of talk through, you know, well, why, why did this happen? Why did you act that way? What, you know, where'd that uh, impulse come from? And, you know, how do you feel about it? And, and the person who might have been on the, uh, the other end of that, you know, saying, well, how did it make you feel? And, what do you think about what that, you know, that person just said who treated you badly? And you know, just having conversations so that we actually learn together and we build a relationship uh, is really, really, really important. And so that's just one other thing that I think we need to discuss and encourage and um, bring into our schools. In addition to, you know, more counseling, more counseling that's not, um, that goes beyond academic counseling. That's been one of the areas uh, in my son's life where the schools have really, in, in the elementary school, they came they came through pretty well. Uh, high school, they dropped the ball in a big way when I reached out for help for my son. So um, we could focus some energy on that. There's, there very, seems to be very little resources put into counseling, but the type of counseling that's more about having those conversations with kids and helping them, helping them work through the issues that they're dealing with, as all kids deal with, especially high school and middle school. Um, you know, trouble at home, trouble with uh, somebody that they are attracted to and maybe got dumped or, you know, whatever, all those things that we deal with as we're developing and growing right. that sometimes have, have really strong impacts on some kids that can lead to, uh, you know, just lead to checking out of school, checking out of life, checking out of, and the worst case scenario is something like, you know, thinking about suicide. How can people get involved or, or in touch with your campaign? Brad for Redmond School, the number four, Brad, number four, redmondschools.com. And then I'll, I'll probably right. create a Facebook page, too. I'm planning to do that. Thanks so much, Brad Porterfield, for joining me here on the Radical Songbook. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me.